she's not very enthusiastic today. Great show, guys. Um, I skipped the DJI just because we're in an hour and 16. I don't know what you have going on, Dave. Uh, we're still live. If you have anything else you wanted to randomly talk about that has nothing to do with the show notes. Otherwise, if you need to get out of here, that's fine as well. I know. I Yeah, I just, I, uh, DJ, I think you kind of have some of that. Um, I don't know if you'd call it an obsession, but like, um, I, like I still, and I, I hate it for doing it, but I'll, I'll be looking for the perfect camcorder. And really, it's just for like recording home events and stuff. I just want to have a camera that looks like an old film camera. That's a real thing, man. I And in fact, I, I do have literally for my XA20 a grip that gives you the center hold and then the screen flips out like this. And that feel is the old sort of traditional feel where you're holding the grip like you would on an 8mm and you have the camera sitting around. And people love it. Like, uh, you hand it to someone, and they're like, this feels really good. And it's because they're not doing this with their hand anymore. Now they're mm-hmm. holding the pistol grip. And I have no problem with that design at all. And in fact, um, I almost pulled the trigger on the digital bullocks until I started reading the specs. And mm-hmm. it was like, wait a minute, this looks like a pipe dream, guys. No, and then when you see it all rigged out, it's got it looks ridiculous with cords hanging all over it. And it's like, oh, yeah. But I know um, with a touchscreen combination with some of the Handycams, um, there, I can't remember the name. I believe it's a Sony, and it, it, it I only remember it. Um, there's only like four cameras that, that Best Buy displays anymore. It's like they've reduced their video camera, but yeah. it's the it's the highest end one. It's the it, it, it has a 4K with a Zeiss lens, and it has like the little eyeball lens in it. Yep. Um, that camera has a touchscreen where you can zoom and hit record with the touchscreen, and so I put a pistol grip on that one, and you have all the controls with your left hand, and you can kind of hold it, and even when you use the hand grip. You, the the handle in the bottom kind of rests against your wrist okay and it keeps it from rolling you know how those little cameras yeah. seem to want to roll but yeah i'm still that's where i'm just waiting i keep i keep searching uh kickstarter and indiegogo and i'm like oh is someone gonna just make a cool little retro camera that just does a little bit of everything now you're, are you talking about the ax100 the sony fdr ax100 yes and yeah, now um, i is do you get rolling like a lot of jello cam and rolling shutter issues with that? Because that was the big thing I noticed when I first grabbed one of those. I literally just picked it up like a day ago and I gave it to my boss and he went on a trip. He needed a point and shoot camera that was a higher end camera. So that was the only one Best Buy had on hand. I, I, I hate, unfortunately, it puts people at companies out of business, but I hate buying stuff in stores just knowing that I can get it cheaper and stuff online. But that was the one they had. And I was like, all right, let's do it. But yeah, well, I'll let you know how it turns out. I'm gonna get try to get spend some more time on it. But see, that's that thousand dollar price point where yeah. I feel like, ooh, a thousand dollars. I'm gonna spend a thousand. Might as well spend two and then ooh. just get. Well, and there's so much good stuff in the in that price range too. Like the G7. I mean, that's mm-hmm. down to four hundred and fifty bucks, and yeah. that's a 4K capable camera, basically a GH4 without HDMI output and no headphone monitoring jack, and. You know, people have even been arguing that it has slightly better uh, image quality than the GH4 out of the box, and it's 450 bucks. You know, uh, go with why? You know, why would you go with a, a camcorder when you have those available? And the reason actually is is lenses. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you start investing in lenses, and I mean, I'm guilty of that. I have piles of kit all over the place, <laughs> and you know, I pack my bag. I probably only pack like six lenses. How many freaking lenses does one guy need? You know. Uh, and the the gear obsession is an issue that I have to like deal with on a regular basis. I actually have a flowchart now, where I not a flowchart, a spreadsheet where I keep track of how many times I've charged out each product, and I can't buy anything else until I have completely zeroed wow. everything on the list. And so it keeps me from buying gear 
uh, any more than like once every That's couple really of months or something. Yeah, it, uh, uh, for a while, I, I was looking at my Canon kit. Uh, this was actually last year, and I was realizing, wait a minute, I was buying a new Prime like once a month, and that's a $1,200 investment every time I buy a new L-Series Prime. How often am I charging these out? And so then I'm like, wait a minute, I need to start billing, billing hours on these guys. So then, you know, you put your dollar amount in there, you bill some hours on it, and you make sure to charge out or you, you rent it as part of your package when you show up for a job. And now you can say, okay... I've gotten this down to zero, and the money I made from that lens I can use to buy the 24 F1.4, you know, or, or whatever. And it's, I've been doing the same thing with my GH4. It's been keeping me slowly building up my lens collection as opposed to just jumping on the bandwagon and buying a whole crap load of stuff in one night. Although I did have that eBay slip the other day. <laughs> so, Devin, what, what kind of video work are you doing? None. Uh, okay. No. Lately, it's been all posts, man. Uh, okay. It's been a lot of posts. Uh, one client, uh, we do uh, training videos for EMTs and things like that, which involves just a guy on a green screen and then lots of After Effects and graphics and stuff. And um, and then occasionally, I get freelanced by um, uh, CBS in New York uh, when they need to shoot something in the Midwest and their local guys are all tied up. So... Uh, and then besides that, it's a whole lot of client stuff. Uh, most of my work is in two studios, which will probably soon become one studio, which is just usually doing cam op or video switching or uh, tech directing or something like that in the studios. For me, studio work is pretty boring, but um, mm-hmm. there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of room for it out here in Chicago as opposed for a lot of on-location stuff is harder to come by. So... Because it's not like people are shooting really anything, TV shows or films or anything out in Chicago. So it's kind of, it's a rough area of the woods unless you're making your own content. Yeah, and that's the dilemma I keep running into because I'm like, I'm a run and gun type of shooter when I'm at work or I do stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty consistent for the same. I work for Flight Test, this YouTube channel that does airplane stuff. I know, I I all the time. Oh, do you? Okay, okay, cool. Um, Yeah. But... The stuff I shoot, I realize, because I'll email people like, hey, do you have any problems trying to find a good viewfinder? Like, a, I still use an LCD viewfinder. Mm. And they're like, no, because most people, if they have a GH4, they just use the built-in one. I'm like, yeah. I spend like three hours following airplanes in the sky. I need like a real. And um, so the dilemmas I have at work are like running gun stuff. You know, I, I like manual, good manual lenses. Like the little Lumix lenses are so small, my pinky gets in the shot a lot. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, because I, they're so small. But sure. then... I carry that over into my personal life and I still like love manual stuff. And then I realize I shoot everything alone. Like if I'm in my basement, I'm like, I need right. automatic everything. I want remote control and GH4 gives that. So I'm like, I guess I got to stick with the Lumix lens autofocus. Sure. But One that's thing that weird dilemma. you might like, man, is RoboCam, $42. It allows you to put both of your, if you have multiple GH4 bodies or if you have multiple Panasonic cameras, you can put them on Wi-Fi, put them on your regular home network, and RoboCam will allow you to control up to four cameras simultaneously. Wow. So check that out. if you're shooting by yourself, uh, that is a really uh, interesting way to control multiple cameras. And they have compatibility lists, so check that before you you know drop 40 bucks on it. But uh, definitely a way to, to do that sort of multi-cam shoot. And I've used it a few times cheating when like I show up and I'm like, I, yeah, I built you for two people, but it's really just me. I'm going to set oh, up a camera cool. here and I'm going to set up a camera over here. So I have my close up and then my wide shot. And I just sit there and do the interview the whole time. And, and I have it all like controlled basically via my laptop. So, um, yeah, if you're, if, uh, something to be worth trying, uh, if you have a little bit of money to play around with is, uh, 
really old um, uh, 16 by 9 standard definition ENG lenses before mount uh, mm. because it's not too hard. It, it costs relatively nothing, like 20 or 30 bucks to get power into those things. And then you usually get a really strong power servo. They are a little slower, but if you're talking about shooting outside all the time, that's not necessarily the problem. <coughs> uh, and so a lot of those 16 by 9s will have a doubler. So when you get something like a 14 millimeter to uh, 200 or something like that, you get the doubler is going to give you full coverage on the sensor because they're built for like half sensor, half inch sensor cameras. Mm -hmm. uh, but that motorized zoom, I feel like would probably do a lot more in terms of trying to follow a subject uh, yeah. than jerking the zoom around, trying to get in place so that you can grab the shot. So it, it, and it's one of those that like, even if you don't get one that has very good optics, you can get one for like 200 bucks that at oh, least wow. lets you play with it, see if it's gonna work for you. You know, like, yeah, you gotta spend 20 bucks on uh, a mount adapter and maybe 20 or 30 bucks over here to get a power adapter so that you can feed power into the servo. But like for, you know, almost nothing, you can kind of try it out. I mean, and then it would suck to have to turn around and sell it, but you could try it out and be like, oh, this really does work. Okay, I'm gonna drop five, 600 on a really good one. I mean, mm -hmm. if you want to go crazy, you can get an HD one that's actually built for doing HD footage, and that'll cost you like a couple thousand. But when things are fast moving, uh, like I imagine what you're shooting, mm -hmm. um, detail in, in terms of like your lens doesn't show up because there's so yeah. much motion blur anyways. If you're shooting at 30, if you're shooting at 60, I'd be like, nah, you, you need a really sharp lens. But shooting at 30, it's like either you're, there's not gonna be so much details lost in the codec anyways that yeah you could kind of get away with a st standard f lens you're not really going to notice unless it's side by side so it's just one of those that that might be worth checking out i played with one for a while i really liked it um i never have gotten to the point where i've needed to drop money on a really mm -hmm. nice one uh but it's something that like i was like okay this is giving me some usability this i really like just having a servo and being able to slam the zoom back and forth without twisting my arm, which then affects mm -hmm. how I'm framing my shot because I'm twisting my arm. So, uh, as well as that front handle, because you can kind of find interesting ways to mount a GH4 when you've got a you know handle on your lens. So, I don't know, might be something yeah. fun to try out. I'll have to check that out. I'll have to get the specs off you. Yeah, I've never even actually thought about that. I know I only knew of like the really high-end ones that are like $23,000. Oh, yeah, like and the, they're like... the Canon ones and everything? Yeah, of course. But... Yeah, and, and that's where it's weird, because that's where, I, I don't know why, I have like this obsession to like look for this perfect camera, and when I realize it's really a camera that's just for my personal use. It's not even for production stuff. And then I realized my phone does all of those things Yeah, <laughs> over no. and over again. Well, that's, that's I don't know. If you, are headed. Even if you're making a feature like film, I mean, um, one of my first feature like films I shot on, uh, we went to Walmart and we bought five cameras and we shot the mm. entire film and then returned them. And, <laughs> and like it sold well enough to pay for the next feature like film. It was awful, but it, it, you know, it's doable. You don't necessarily need super crazy high quality in order to accomplish some of those things. So, oh. yeah. And I was trying to do, I just recently went on a little road trip and I had this really crappy little, I mean, it was like, it's a $20 camera you get from like Rite Aid or somewhere. And I'm like, I'm just going to shoot. I, I switched to VGA mode and I'm like, I'm, it has a weird like cool looking crappy digital look to it and i thought maybe i'll just i'm gonna shoot my little road trip on this and it was so frustrating to use because every time i opened the flip thing i had to manually turn on i'm thinking compared to my phone where i just slide it into camera mode yeah and i can hold it at arm's length and instantly record and i realize i'm like oh, and this is probably just maybe my dedication to be an artist i was like this is so <laughs> not worth it like i just i'm not trying to like kill myself over this for a really bad digital look you know because i was trying to replicate like and maybe a, a film to digital 
transfer that just mm-hmm. has like a square framing and it doesn't focus at all. It was so not worth. It. That's where I'm like, I might as well just use like an old iPod Touch. You know, for like fifteen dollars, you can go get some of those key fob, uh, you know, weird mm-hmm. cameras, and a lot of those will do like 720p even, and it, yeah. it'll give you that sort of really shady, like uh, uh, in the pinhole camera bathroom spying mm-hmm. thing look. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, and that's where I don't know. I, I I mess around with that stuff, and then I realize I'm like, what am I doing? Just my phone keeps. I don't know. I keep going back to the phone. Yeah, no, no, and and that's because that's where the phone's going. It's like if you don't care about so much control, shallow depth of field, and things like that, uh, the phone's going to be in focus and it's going to be sharp and it's doing 4K. And so it's like, all right, that you know that gets the job done. LX100, man. The, <laughs> if you check out the comments, I sent you two links to um, some oh, okay. videos of people using uh, what is commonly called V4. Uh, Bravo 4 mount ENG lenses. Okay. And so you can see how some people attach them to their GH4 and power them and stuff like that. You get yeah, some I'll ideas of how they use it. Um, so, D- oh, uh, DJ, real quick, I was thinking when you... Sh- I, I think you did a video on that wooden grip on your Nikon. Oh, on the uh, LX100? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how, how much is one of those? those it's like that- 80 bucks. It's uh, okay. made by J&B. Uh, it, okay, Devin, I know you, you <laughs> harass me for this. But the thing is, I have big mitts. So look at these giant hands yeah, right here. so do I. And so the the actual frame of this camera, if you look right here, it's very narrow. This is the yeah. lip that you have to grip onto. And mm-hmm. I said ergonomics aren't a thing. They are a thing. I'm full of crap. Uh, I want to be able to hold this like a regular DSLR. So yeah. this extra grip here gives you the full full hand hold that you would want out of your camera in this tidy body. Now, it's not pocketable, and that's the only issue I have is that I wish I could mm-hmm. shove this into a pocket. But, yeah. you know, remote control via your phone, 4K video, I you will do sync audio in my phone while I'm recording with this if I'm wandering around doing, like, you know, commentary on something. or uh, it, uh, Oddly enough, I also do uh, kitchen utensil review videos for Amazon, and, like, this is the perfect thing for uh, that sort of stuff. But this is – it's worth it. It's worth buying the $80 grip. I know it's stupid. Mm. I know it's hipster. Yeah. Well, I always look at because I do like I think is it just called wooden camera or whatever the ones that make the ergonomic yeah, wood handles. Yeah, yeah. I that one I wish I sort of wish that little tower. I guess it would break if it was wood, but I wish it was all wood if it was going to be wood at all. Like the part I want to hold is the part that I want to be wood, not. But that's just another ergon like just aesthetics that really aren't that important. But well, I yeah, would have bought this if it that. were made out of aluminum. So you know, it doesn't really the look isn't my thing per se. It's the actual, mm-hmm. just the usefulness of having a nub there. And I have a have a CNC machine and a laser. I could have just made this myself. I just oh, was yeah. too freaking lazy to go up and drop <laughs> the plans and spend like two days making it. So I d- did not do that. But uh, Devin, do you do a lot of just shooting at all with just, I mean, personal yeah. or? Oh, okay. for like personal stuff? Yeah, just like around uh, the house or just for fun. Uh, yeah, like all the time. Um. No, right now, my focus mo- for the past three or four months has actually been in writing. Okay. Uh, so if I have free time that isn't a client video, it's been focused on writing because I've done enough shooting and editing and playing around with that that I'm trying to work more on the story part of things So and dialogue and things. So, uh, so actually, a lot of my free time has been spent that way. Uh, probably in the next couple of months i've got a short or two that's probably going to be coming up but whoa uh, whoa <laughs> uh but that's that's where that's mostly what i'm doing in my free time which lately hasn't been much but with huge uh studio layoffs at the sports studio uh, mm-hmm. that'll probably give me a lot more free time so oh, wow. uh, sorry man 
<laughs> I switched over from independent to full-time job just because I wanted to make sure my paychecks come in. And mm-hmm. I feel for you, man. I would not want a contract. <laughs> nah, it's mm-hmm. fun. I enjoy it. More uh, than yeah. DJ did. <laughs> well, but, yeah. creative projects are really nice. You know what I miss? I miss getting drunk with the cast and crew after like 18 hours of non-union filming into the middle <laughs> of the night and like getting back home and we watch the footage and we're just like, this is the most amazing thing we've ever shot in our entire lives. <laughs> we're going to be so proud of this. And then like six months later, we're like, I hate this project. Let's just poop it out and get done with it. You know, that sort of life experience you don't get when you're just doing like safety video production and like talking heads all the time. It's just boring. Like, let me put a camera in front of you. Let me light you this way. Let me push record. Okay, talk. Say something funny. Say something interesting. Okay, here's some motion graphics. Yay. You could still end each production that way, and then you'd be the guy. You'd just have to be the ringleader and be like, come on, guys. We finished. Woo. And you'd be like, what is going on? We do this every day. I tried to talk him into throwing a bot. We, we were doing a fall protection video where they're climbing up a, a big tower, and I wanted to throw the dummy off and have blood just shoot out of him. <laughs> and I was like, this will be really realistic. It'll, you know, it only cost as much as I set up a budget proposal and went to him with it. And they're like, we can't do that. We can't do that yeah, because it's yeah, just too graphic and we don't want to scare people in that yeah. manner. So yeah, I ended German up. German video did it. Yeah. Remember the one mm-hmm. with the forklifts? Oh, oh yeah, man, yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. So I ended up with just a dummy like getting tossed out of frame and then that's it. That's the entire thing. Oh. And it's like, oh, really? No creativity at all. And I don't, I, I do miss that part. And then meetings, all kinds of freaking meetings. You, you couldn't even add like a Wilhelm scream or anything? <laughs> I feel like yeah, it's Dave I, interviewing us now. Yeah, yeah well, that's much. right. I, I will try to, it's been a while since I've even done like any YouTube and stuff. I've just, because I'm like, man, I'm like burned out from just doing any video when I get home from work. And that's why I'm always mm-hmm. curious when I talk to other people that have like full-time video work, you know, cause there's this idea, I think as a young person, oh, you work in the, you do video, but like Devin was saying, like he does post-production, you know, I do a little bit of both, which is nice. But at the same time, it's, I don't know if I, I like shooting more than anything. I just probably for that reason of just being out and like mm-hmm. I've never had the experience DJ like you've had where like I'm on a film set or nothing but with a crew of people that are all working for the same goal like that's fun to be out and about compared to just sitting at a computer every day but um, yeah I love shooting features and then we do the convention circuit so okay. every time we, and I've got two new features coming out uh, this year uh, they're one of them should be dropping like next month or the month after the eyes of Isabel um, but once the film comes out, then we do uh, six uh, six months worth of weekend tours to all the festivals around the United States. And oh, like wow. you're a mini celebrity for each festival because you show up, you're at a booth, you've got your film, you've got some actresses that are scantily clad running about and like you're pitching to hundreds of, of fans of this genre. And, uh, you know, that pays for the next film. So No, I, I think you, you bring up a really good point because uh, especially, too, with doing uh, YouTube stuff as well, um, getting burned out, because uh, I've come across that, too, and I feel like the problem was uh, overcoming the barrier of entry, like making it easier for me to sit down and do stuff. And that helps more or less, like having that space where, uh, for doing product reviews, I go, all right, this is my set space. I got my lights set up. I don't need to do anything. I've got a whole separate kit set up because gear is so cheap now that to get some can lights and crap together for mm-hmm. setting up a like tabletop to film stuff, I'm like, the only thing I'll pull in and out is the camera. 
and I can just get a cheap light stand, get a cheap arm, and like you know, and mount this up. And that way, it's always ready to go, and it makes it really easy for me to just pick up and do it. Uh, but it still doesn't solve the problem of necessarily being motivated to do it. <laughs> and I feel like motivation is different for every person. Uh, but for me personally, uh, I in my mind, I had to drive a wedge between uh, necessarily the clients I work for and the stuff I do on my own, the creative stuff. I really have to drive a wedge and make them feel to me completely different. And there's different ways everyone could do that if, uh, if that's what works for you. But for me, like when I go to the studio and I'm a cam op at the studio, I just think of myself as a technician. I, I think of myself as like a, a car mechanic. I'm just go, I'm going there. They want this and this and this. It's the same thing every day I do that. Um, and then when I'm editing for a client, um, I just, it, in terms of getting over the initial hump of like, okay, let me just spend 10 minutes doing this and then I'll get sucked in and I'll do it for, you know, as long as I actually need to do it. Cause I'll do eight or 10 hours at a time. Uh, but it, like convincing myself, oh, I'm just going to do it for 10 minutes. That gets me in there. And then after I do all that stuff, I keep telling myself as stupid as it sounds after I get motivated to do it. I tell myself that, uh, ah, this is silly. They could be doing it better, but you know, they don't want it necessarily that way, but I think this way would be better. And just doing that gets me to creatively think. And then after I'm done with that, I go on, I go, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do something better. And I go and I do my own personal stuff. So it's different for every person. Uh, but for me putting a big separation between my work and working for other people, helps me to not get burned out and consider it all the same and being like, oh my gosh, it's just every day with a video camera. I can't stand it. Mm -hmm. So it, it's different for everybody. For, for me, I noticed that that's what really helped to break me out. And so that after I work for eight or 10 hours at the studio, I can actually come home and shoot something uh, yeah. because I'm like, finally, I get to do what I want. So it's, it's hard to find that motivation. I've gotten, I got burned out probably for a good like year and a half. Uh, but you know, little things like DJ being like, oh dude, come do the podcast and stuff like that makes me go like, yeah, I want to have fun again. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's one of those that when you get into a routine, then I feel like it's easier to separate the two, but you're right for a good year. I, all I did was client work and I absolutely hated it. Well, it's tough too, because like I do, I, I really love, like I, whether, I don't know if I'm, I think like everybody, I don't, I know I don't, because I worry about like the aesthetics of a camera looking cool and not actually mm -hmm. functioning that great. But I, all the stuff that I have experience doing, which is at my job, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to do a video on the GH4 viewfinder because mm -hmm. I had to modify this viewfinder to make it work. And I'm like, oh, that means I got to take stuff from work, bring it home and shoot. And I'm like, I don't want work to be associated with my stuff. So I've been trying right. to make that division. But unfortunately, mm -hmm. like even the stuff I'm editing, I, I there's all these weird things that Adobe Premiere that, uh, does that I, and because I experience it over and over again, I'm like, I gotta just do a screen capture. But then I'm like, that means the footage I'm screen capturing will be work. I don't want work mm -hmm. associated. And they don't care. They actually motivated. They're like, yeah, totally, Dave. You can use the equipment for your own YouTube right. stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to. I want it to be just totally, <laughs> which is stupid. It's, it's probably like pride or something. But um, <laughs> they're totally like like open to it. They're like, no, we want you to like, we want you to be like yeah. able to do your own thing. And I'm like, yeah, but it's different for some reason. I don't know why. Well, no, if you guys, I, I've mentioned this to that. Devin before. If you guys need scripts, uh, I have a rather large script bank. And oh, yeah. a team of writers, like, I can probably hook you up with something as long as you don't mind horror genre stuff because that's all I got is horror genre. <laughs> I'll have tell to look you, into it. the number one thing that's most effective, though, for getting motivated on your own creative personal project uh, <coughs> is actually other people. 
Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it got a little harder for me to come by because a few people moved into different demos and stuff. Uh, but when I have my free time and I'm hanging out with the bros and doing what we the do, bros. Um, having those guys that I surround myself with being the type that are interested creatively, not even necessarily in video production, but just creative individuals who appreciate art and how, and how people create art, uh, that stirs a lot of inspiration to, for me to create my own. So it, surrounding myself with that, because for a while I was just kind of in the same group from you know high school, college, like that kind of thing, doing the same thing, and I wasn't getting anywhere. And then I start to reach out and I start to work with other filmmakers and other production people and stuff like that, and I befriend them. Then all of a sudden I notice when we hang out, we talk a lot more and then we get excited about stuff again. And it makes it a lot easier when you've got those friends who are also begging for an excuse to go out and do something interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I got to... And that's where I know at the same time, I'm like, I hate... Because I always talk against this, but I'm like, if I could just find the perfect camera that would just... I wouldn't have... You know what I mean? Where it's like this idea yeah. where I like the idea of... The GH4 seemed... I will say that was something I put originally in the email DJ to you. Like, I was... I'm like all for... Like, I love my 60D. There's a guy I follow. I think it's D, uh, DSLR Guide. Um, mm -hmm. he does a YouTube channel. He did a whole video about how he's not going to upgrade his 60D. And I was like, wow, you know, I totally agree with what he said, but having had exposure and using the GH4 and just how clear the viewfinder is mm -hmm. and how sharp the image is, I'm like, I, I tried using my 60D and I'm like, everything just looks kind of out of focus. I like the lenses better, yeah. but I, where's that sharp focus? Oh, that's right. This is a 60D. This isn't the... I still, I haven't gotten rid of my 6D or my 5D Mark III, and I still shoot on them on a regular basis just because the look out of mm -hmm. these is different than the look out of the GH4. Yeah. Uh, that said, I own an entire freaking set of, of Panasonic glass, all the primes, all the zooms and everything, and I shoot on my GH4 uh, quite religiously. So it's I can't get away from full frame because I love that look, but for things that I can sacrifice um uh, that look and i'm okay with just sharpness as my rapport i i go with the gh4 no you know what uh you can make a gh4 look filming nah. and this is like some of the guys at work they love i think the gh4 the sensor does this purplish thing with lens flare yeah mm -hmm. and yeah. i i like the canon i use the 5d mark ii and it just had nice bulbs of light that yep. would shine through the lenses and the l lens i think we had the 24 whatever the 24 to 70, the, the cool one. Well, and I'm I find like, myself having to screw around with lighting a lot more with the GH4 than I ever did with uh, my Canon 5D or my 60. So, like, I'll really have to tweak the light and be very precise with the GH4. With my Canon, I, I'm lazy as hell. I just, like, oh, here, put a light over here somewhere and maybe hang a china ball from the top there and we'll be good to go. And that part is really... Uh, the other thing about full-frame that makes the GH4 kind of sad is the Sony a7S that I was holding up earlier. Uh, we light scenes with cell phones, literally with cell phones and the lighting turns out great. Like you can't, you can't do that with the GH4 period. And it's unfortunate because if that were the case, then maybe I would jump 100% and now, sell you know my big what? gear. You know what? Here I got check out <laughs> it's somewhere here. Check out that in the chat, that link. All right. And, and tell me, tell me, that you know that the gh4 can't you know i'm not saying it doesn't take effort and doesn't take work but tell me that gh4 couldn't pull a film look all right tell me right here is the flat style bunk or not on the gh4 
Uh, you mean the um, the, the L V-log? the log the vlog? I don't know if this guy's using vlog or not. It's saying it in the description that it is, but yeah, the title says vlog. See, oh, the one thing you won't right. see, I, I, I'm watching through it. Okay, um, see, I want to see some lens flare, and you see a little bit of it at about no, you're, a minute you're in. Right. It's, it's because of that smaller sensor, it's got, it, it doesn't have big soft. And the bokeh there. is kind of mushy. The light rendition from the lights on that Ferris wheel aren't as good as they would be on a Canon 5D Mark III. Uh, it's sharper and crisper. Yeah. But. And I- I messed around and I got one of those really cheap adapters and put it on my GH4 and I put a Canon lens on. It was actually just a mm-hmm. kit lens that comes with uh, the 60D, that zoom, that 18 to 135 zoom. Right. And you have to like preset the ISO on the lens before you dismount mm-hmm. it since the electronics disconnected. Yep. But when the flicker, it wouldn't flicker. When it would stop down, it was mm-hmm. smooth. And I was like, I don't, this is actually, now I couldn't use it because we do so much in and out, inside and outside that I would right. need constant adjustment. But that was like, oh, maybe I should get the meta bones, and it's just like the thing is like six hundred dollars. I'm like, I'm not doing it. There's, no, I'm yeah. not doing it. That's hard to justify. <laughs> but now, uh, DJ, do you have a meta bones on your A7S? Uh, I do not have the meta bones brand on my A7S, but I do. And actually, I was using my GH4 to hold the light up, Gosh. so that's kind of the the cheese. <laughs> yeah, so I needed a light stand, and I was in a hurry, so I just grabbed my GH4 and like put a light on it. Uh, but this is the meta bones adapter on the. Uh, on the GH4, and it's not nearly as big as you think. This is the 51.4 on here, and why yes. I own multiple 50s, don't ask. Uh, it's my problem. But, uh, like, the AF on this now is really fast. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can hear that beeping, but it's, like, yeah. confirming, and it gives you more of that Canon look as far as your bokeh yeah. and your background goes. I don't know if I can show that in this demonstration or not, but... But, like, it's more rounded. The out-of-focus areas look a lot more like what you get out of a full-frame camera. And the only issue I run into is you get weird uh, chromatic abrasion out of the lenses with the Metabones adapter. So a lot of purple fringing on, like, um, whites and lettering and stuff like that. But a lot of people find that attractive as, like, a sort of interesting look. It's not my thing. Um, but you have to be aware of it and make sure that when you're shooting stuff, you stay away from those like fine details like that. Otherwise, it's frustrating as I'll get out. But and you know, no one gives it enough credit. But for chasing the film look, I like to call it chasing. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, I think the Black Magic looks a step above the Canons. Uh, even the Pocket Cinema camera, uh, you know, even if eight hundred ISO, around, buddy. Well, I know. <laughs> But even if you don't spend a lot of time grading it, uh, I think that just the way the grain looks on it and the way that some Hmm. of the colors and the highlights roll off, it just, to me, it it looks really good. And it's, to me, it's kind of up there near kind of like a C300 because I think a C300 looks halfway as good. DJ hates them, but I think Mm -hmm. that they look pretty good. Yeah, the grain on the the 100 series and the 300 and all the C series, it's just, uh, it's ugly. (laughs) It Um, is weird, yeah. I've I've got yeah, it right yeah. here. This is my my two shooting lenses for the A7S. I've got a 55 millimeter f1.2 uh, old Nikon uh, Nikkor lens, and then I've got a native mount f4 24 to 70. And so in regular light, I work with a guy all the time that's like, I want deep focus, and this is my mm-hmm. deep focus lens, and this is my shallow depth of field lens. I have a Canon adapter, uh, but it's the Photox, like the generic one. And it works okay. Uh, you know, how do you focus. Adjust, 
do you have it does it have the built-in iris or like uh, the new ones are electronic control systems so you How much is that? uh they're only like 200 bucks 180 bucks and you have full control the you even have af inside of the uh body it's just that the a7 series af system is is junk it's <laughs> the worst so like does, you don't get any good foc- autofocus out of it does photo dx do they make one that would fit on the gh4 Yes, actually, Kip. If you want one for the GH4, Kepin is the company that makes that. They the Kepin adapter, and I've got a video out on that. You should check that. Oh, out. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I, I I always look to try to find because I was like, there's got to be something else besides this Metabone speed booster. Yeah. I so mean, the Kepin adapter you doesn't use um, the focal reducer, so you get double whatever your focal length is on the lens, but the AF is super fast on it. So you get double whatever your lens rating is, and it's good for APS-C all the way up to regular full-frame lenses. And you get, uh, you know, all the regular controls, and you don't have to futz around with all the crap like, uh, you know, the iris inside of the lens and all that junk. Um, Then they also make a generic uh, speed booster that does have the focal reducer built into it, but that one... um, the AF system is good, but the focal reducer element isn't quite as good as Metabones, so you're going to okay. suffer a little bit with like a little softer image and stuff. Uh, also, some weird flaring and some uh, reflections mm. internally, depending on the way the light enters the element. Yeah. That's what's tough, too, because that's where I, I just think, like, I don't switch out lenses that often, but it's like, all right, now there's two more pieces of glass. That's just one more chance for a dust part thing to be in, you know, an, a whole well, day's worth of shooting. So that's the other argument for the Metabone speed booster on the GH4, though, is as you reduce the incoming light down to a finer point, you actually get higher quality, sharper image out of the lens than you would on a full frame or APS-C body. Uh, it does some weird stuff with the light, but uh, if you had dust on either one of those elements, you would be hard pressed to find it in an image that was reduced down to the GH4 size. Because, and then I've even, look used. Uh, There, on eBay, you can find a used uh, third generation or second generation Metabone speed booster for the GH4 with AF control for like 400 bucks. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've never looked into that. Yeah, because that's one of the things, because I've tried to look at the price and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like into, I'm like looking at like a $4,000 setup with a really nice lens and this GH4 thinking I was getting a really good deal. And I'm like, I should have just been looking into like, that's, how much is that? Yeah, that Sony F, uh, whatever it was, the F7 or F5 or whatever. FS5, yeah. Yeah. And if you boil down all my gear, like just in front of me right here, I mean... Uh, A7S, uh, GH4, uh, Canon 5D Mark III, LX100. I'm shooting on E1 Z cam. I mean, I could probably, if I sold all these off and liquidated today, I could buy two FS5s or an FS7 if I really wanted to. And mm-hmm. I did move to the C100 and C300 for a little while, but I just did not like the image quality at all. I hated it. And I couldn't okay. stand, you know, I know that normal film cameras, yes, you have to do like a black balance. It's a normal thing. But it took forever on that camera. It took like a minute and a half to do it. And I was I was having to do it on a regular basis. And then the noise on there, like everybody's like, oh, yeah, this is the best low light camera ever. That's bullshit. It's noisy <laughs> as all get out above like 12,800. And while DSLRs are mushy, the mushiness covers up that ugly grain that you get out of the C100 and C300 in low light. I can't stand that. It looks like crawling ants all over my image, and it drives me insane. With the Sony a7S, it's still a little mushy, but 
I don't give a crap because I can shoot at 100,000 ISO and that's what I want out of a camera like that. So then this is just the low light camera only and the other cameras are my regular cameras. Well, I know like the stuff that I do with my YouTube channel on it was something I talked to back in the day. I would like email Dave Doug Dell and stuff when he was still using Canon's. And my thing is like, I, I like, you know, even the GH4, I'm like, this camera's awesome. But I'm like, I, I do YouTube videos for people that I want to have in a certain price range. Like I don't, I don't know enough to really want to make videos for people that are buying $6,000 cameras. You know, I'm like, I don't shoot in that realm, yeah. but that's the other thing where I'm like, and I was telling Dave, I'm like, should I, should I get a really nice camera? Cause I was thinking, oh my goodness, maybe I should just sell all my stuff, get an a7s, uh, whatever that a7s r2 or s2. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a second, I'm going to be making video tutorials for such a, a smaller niche of people. I mean, I think anyone would watch them, but it's like, that idea that I want to be a little bit more broad, but that's where I was like, maybe I just need to stay away from electronics and just technology and just talk about filmmaking stuff that never changes. Like, I don't know what that would be. I don't know. Kit is still like, if you love, if you love equipment and then it's still a good topic and lenses, like you can never go wrong with lenses you love and uh, invest yourself in a system, do whatever. Don't be me. Uh, don't, (laughs) don't be crazy kit guy. Uh, I'm lucky I'm able like, to afford it. You're like it. the cat lady of gear. Well, <laughs> if I couldn't, if like, luckily if I, I have enough of a stream that I can pay for all this stuff, otherwise I would not be able to live this sort of lifestyle. So, well, the other thing too, is even for me, like I'll constantly, even though I'm not making videos, I still am always looking for, you know, just DIY options, you know, alternative gear that could be used for camera gear. And I know it's dying off because eBay's providing all these Chinese stuff that's so cheap and still like usable, you know, for camera rigs and stuff. But I'm like watching stuff and it's like, I don't know. I think about like, okay, I want to, I want to use my, my 60 D well, even finding viewfinders for that camera, like the, the stick on ones, you know, the mm-hmm. LC, um, LCD VF, uh, knockoffs and stuff. They're like harder and harder to come by anymore because people just aren't even, they're not even like, they're available on eBay here and there, you know, but like things that I knew two years ago, like, um, a bottom mounting metal plate for that magnetic thing to stick on. So you yeah. don't have to mm-hmm. permanently stick. That's yeah. like really hard to find now. And I'm like, man, that used to be so common a year ago. And I'm like, should mm-hmm. I even be worried about this stuff anymore? Cause eventually this time next year, they'll be completely like unavailable. And I'll make videos about the one that I have that I bought three <laughs> years ago. You know what I mean? That's what I always hate when it's like, Oh, here's this thing. They're really hard to come by. A guy gave it to me and it's like a one of a kind, like item that, you know, like this camera gear. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I want to make stuff that's relevant. So I'm always thinking probably too much about I get at least like 15 hate mails uh, a month about that $44 uh, screen that I posted a video on like seven or 10 years ago because people are like, it's not $44 anymore. You can't get it for $44. It's $110. I hate you. And it's like, (laughs) I have no power over the control of it. Why are you still using a crappy SD monitor when there are so many other options now? And like, you're still following my advice on a shitty monitor from 10 years ago. I bought that monitor and I bought the battery adapter for it. And I I just found it in the box. I've literally never used it. Really? in the box but i wanted to have it because it was that are you talking about that little square one yeah exactly yeah i thought it was cool at the time because i was still well i still have it but i was using my t2i and i'm like this is perfect external monitor i can see myself in it that's that whole thing where it's like man i don't know i i i like i still like more than camera gear i like the diy stuff even if it is camera related it's just like oh you know you could use like Magic arms. I think those everybody should have those magic articulating arms. They're so useful. Friction arms are but, the best, man. Yeah, yeah. That's how also. Have you guys cam. seen this guy? 
Right, this is a this is, oh, is a cold shoe. It's the Frio, and it's an evolution on the cold shoe where it auto locks, snaps in, oh, slides awesome. in, and it's still got a metal base. And they're like super lightweight, easy to use, and you don't have to futz around with like screwing a knob every time. So, and then it's also got a, a stared step right here. So if the item sticks out a little bit further, it'll actually lock it in at whatever stair tier it bumps up against. Does it have little metal risers underneath the the uh, the lip so it'll like uh, when that the cold shoe slides in and it'll push it up against to make it? Uh, it's got uh, plastic ones there, uh, right there. I don't know if you can you see. You know what right. I hate? There's a growing trend of cold shoes where they make them round instead of square. Yeah, that is stupid. Oh, That's absolutely that. the worst. Yeah, your uh, thanks for that one, by the way, Devin. That was uh, your wireless audio adapter <laughs> that I pulled the trigger on. <laughs> Yeah, no, because it, it, but Rode does it too on their Road Link ones. Everyone seems to do it. And like, I guess they're thinking it's cheaper oh, to make. Could, is it really? Yes, it is. Uh, making a circle for injection molding, they'll, that'll save them like 30 cents on the mold design because it's really simple to cut a circle, but cutting a square with fine corners, the molding is way more expensive. Sure. So you're talking about the actual plate is circular? Yeah. The plate. Yeah. Yeah. So the cold shoe, instead of being a square, it's a round circle, but it sticks out on both sides far enough to slide into your cold shoe. Uh, the offender here is the Audio Technica uh, Wi-Fi. He's holding it up right there. Let me oh, click on Devin. Okay. You can click on my face too; it'll make it big. But yeah, that's um, that's weird. That almost looks like they're missing a part. Like it look, right? that's what it used to look like when the plate would come off. Well, and so <laughs> the problem is, is that when you get it screwed on to whatever, and then you go to unscrew it, you end up just spinning it instead mm -hmm. of actually loosening it. So you, yeah. you got to like use two hands and hold it while you unscrew it. And I'm just I'm surprised even like uh road and everyone's doing that now, which is really obnoxious. Yeah, that is weird. I know I, I try to keep up with all that random stuff, but yeah. I um I've never seen that thing that DJ had. That's pretty cool that little plastic. Yeah, yeah the fro, fro uh if you uh, just search on eBay or Amazon, you'll find it F R I O. Uh, I've got a couple articles on it on dslrfilmnoob.com. And there's over 2,200 articles that you can choose from. <laughs> God, that's a lot of my life there. Yeah, that is a lot of your life. Yeah, I know. And I, I realize I put all of my video cameras because I have like, I even have, that's what's so stupid. I keep, I was just looking last night, I was looking at this uh, Vixia. It's only because it's white. I just wanted a white camera. It's a little handy cam, uh, Vixia, Sony. I think it's like the HF. Jones in for a white camera? I just, yeah. I just thought, I just wanted a colored one. If I had a preference, it would be red. They don't make the red ones. Uh, the one I had was like the F HF uh, sounds 600. Sounds like you need to go buy an XL2 is what it sounds like. I just need a can of spray paint. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but I put all my video gear together, and I was looking at it, and I'm like, what? I, I don't have anything extensive like uh, external lenses and stuff, but just old video equipment that I'm like, I just got to get rid of it. But then it's like, you look on eBay, and it'll sell for like 30 bucks. I'm like, well, for 30 yeah. bucks, I'll keep it. But then it's like this guy right here, the Olympus Air. It's a micro four thirds sensor in a little tiny can, and I bought it awful. for three hundred bucks. No, it's still it's okay, but it's I bought it for three hundred bucks. It's now worth like a hundred, 
and at a hundred dollars, oh, okay. you're like, I might as well just hold on to it because I can yeah. do something with it someday. And then you, it sits right here, right next to this spot that I never grab stuff out of and never gets used for anything at all. And it's sad, really. Now that thing would be interesting if it had like a uh, a screen on the back or like a built-in where you could almost it would almost look like a director. It's actually uh, designed viewfinder. to set your phone right here. Oh, okay. And run the whole thing. It's got an internal replaceable battery as well as a, uh, a micro SD card. And it does very good stills and uh, video-wise, uh, 1080p, no problem. But it's just like, it's very laggy in the Wi-Fi control system department, so it's not super useful. Yeah, that's. I think it was uh, Griffin Hammond might have did a video where he was talking about where you're kind of blind using it, where it's just like, I can't, I, there, he was comparing it to some other device, and I can't remember what it was. Uh, Sony makes the RX series of uh, they're basically trash can lens like this that uh, all have a built in uh, uh, zoom as opposed to interchangeable lens. Um, Okay. This guy, what I end up using it for is tabletop stuff. A lot of times, I'll just set it up on like because it can it's so light it can fit on a mic stand. Okay. Yeah. And then you just put a wide angle on it and aim it straight down, and you can operate it with your phone so you just start recording with your phone dual sound and then like do all your hands-on touchy stuff with something like this and they're really cheap uh but i've actually been using the thing i'm filming on right now which is the uh, e1 cams ez and uh that one is kind of because it shoots 4k it's kind of moved into my like use it for that sort of thing type of deal Hmm. how many cameras can dj count in his room (laughs) right yeah, that's kind of crazy. That or even it makes me feel better. Too. It feels like I have control over my situation. <laughs> <laughs> I but. well, if you look behind me, uh, there's five bags total, and each one of them is packed for a different job. And so I have notes on each one of them with the equipment inside and what the camera bag is for. And you run over, grab that, and then get out and go and shoot with it. And it's got everything I need for that particular kit. So because of that, I have uh, dual audio units in each one of those. I have you know, lenses for the cameras that are in there. I have primes or zooms, depending on what I plan to shoot with those and so on. And then lighting kits. And it's, wow. it's a little out of control. But, I mean, I need it, so it's justified, I suppose. Yeah, and that's I know that's something that's and it's totally irrelevant. But I I still even for my own setup, I'm constantly thinking of like, oh, if I was gonna do a video on this, I'm like nobody would ever have this setup where it's like the stuff that I have in my camera bag is just so random. Because I kind of thinking for the type of work that I'm doing, I'm not doing multiple like freelance jobs. I work for the same company mm-hmm. every day, so I know exactly what kind of gear. And it it's sort of frustrating. Cause I'm like, oh, I forget. I helped my one friend shoot like an event coverage. It was like a sale event at a hardware store, and I was looking at my gear, and I'm like. I don't actually have like a good shoulder rig for this type of a thing. You know, I had um, that one that's like spring loaded and you put it on oh, your shoulder. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that thing, yeah. And I was like, this, that was the first and last time I'll ever use that thing. I was like, this thing's yeah. useless because you're, you're set to this like yeah. range. And yeah, that was an example where I'm like, wow, I've never, because this type of stuff I usually shoot, I'm usually facing upwards and I'm shooting into the sky at airplanes. I've never actually mm-hmm. had to. So that kind of re-educated me that I'm, I have gear that's kind of hyper-focused on what I do, which makes sense. But I'm always yeah. like, man, I want to be like a full range of understanding. But yeah, well, then you got to go out and do those shoots and learn those <laughs> lessons. What works for you? All right, dudes. Well, I, this has been fun chatting you up, and we have gone clear past our regular time and into two hours, which is redonkulous. Uh, I'm going to end the live broadcast unless you guys have anything else you wanted to talk about. No, I'm good. Nope. All right. 
No problem. And now we are off. I'm going to go have dinner. If you guys want to stay right. and chat, you're more than welcome. You would have dinner. Uh, well, it is, it's 541 my time, which means it's probably like, I don't know what time it is where you guys live. Honestly, well, I'm, on he, the, I'm the he, furthest east. Yeah, yeah. Dave, Dave's the one who's actually around dinner time. I thought you were moving I'm, to Colorado, man. Yeah, at one point I was. Uh, I was going out there for a girl I was dating, and things didn't work out. So it was like, ah, oh, and it was actually a pretty cool setup because I was going to be able to stay at my current job. They were going to let me work remotely and stuff, but oh. it wasn't enough of fun. a reason to still move, anyways. Despite <laughs> despite the relationship not working out, so I'm still on the East Coast, Ohio. So. We'll see what happens. I don't know what I'm doing for the next years. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> the weather's pretty nice in Portland, if you like Portland. I know. That's where, what is that? That's where 30-year-olds go to retire, I think, is what yeah, they say. Yeah, I rolled into my 30s, and I was like, uh, time to close up my 4,000-square-foot studio and move to a regular job in Portland where I can walk down to the bar every night. Hmm. Yeah. All right. DJ. All right. Oh, man, yeah. Later, guys.